Welcome to Ready Comics Roll, where each week we discuss a topic involving comics, video games, tabletop, and all the other geeky things that we love. So if you enjoy what you're listening to, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You've never truly experienced Con Crunch until you stay it up till 7am working on your costume. I'm Anthony. One day I'll get a Doom cosplay. I'm the infamous Iron John. And with us today, our special guest... And I'm the man behind the camera. I'm Mikey. This past weekend, we had the opportunity of going to the second annual Comic-Con Revolution of West Palm Beach. So, it's to be expected that we're going to do an episode kind of reviewing the convention itself, while also kind of discussing different aspects of the cosplay community and everything surrounding it. Considering last time we've done this, we went ahead and had our special guests Cody and Steven discussing cosplay... We really wanted to use this opportunity to kind of look at some of the more behind-the-scenes aspects of the conventions that a lot of people really don't consider that really help make these experiences so memorable, such as the photographers, uh, panelists, the people that actually help assemble these things in the first place. And that's exactly why we wanted to have you, Mikey, on here to kind of discuss some of your experiences and insight from that aspect of it, being such a great photographer that you are. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So as we've been kind of uh, lining things up with Anthony, you know, the the importance of uh, all the background people that really kind of make the con what it is. It's, it's you know, obviously the experiences that they all line up uh, intend to have. I, I can only imagine, uh, Mikey, with you, like, what do you do to kind of get with the cosplayers and really, you know, make your art shine with them? Uh, That's a really good question because I think that there's many different avenues that you could go through or, or different ways to do it. Me personally, I like to kind of promote my work beforehand in a before and after kind of setting. So I like to throw things on Instagram in my feed and, and maybe tag some people who are involved in the photography or involved in the scene making it. And what I'll do is I'll take the original picture that I took and then I will do a side-by-side with the composite that I created in post and kind of allowing people to see a peek behind the curtain of this is what we took the picture as and this is what the end result is. So when they're preparing for a con and they're looking at cosplays and they're going, oh my goodness, this one would be great to have this scene created around it or uh, this aspect with it. They can see uh, some prior work that I've done and hopefully look at that and say, I really want to be a part of that or I will really want to utilize those talents and reach out to me. I I think that's, you know, kind of a really great thing to proceed with it or like really not just claim out your own name, but give encouragement to like cosplayers. Because someone who's coming up may go, wow, you know, I can't get these types of shots. But the fact that you're actually kind of cataloging, like you said, before and after photos to show what kind of production goes into it uh, can also, I think, be um, motivational for someone who, let's just say, is, a, is an entry-level cosplayer. Anthony, you know, he he does a couple of different things with cosplay, and we've obviously shown the things that he's done on our Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that as well. But um, I think photography-wise, we've I don't think we've ever done a you know posts. I don't think we've done any real editing to a lot of those. Uh, Not yet. Now, I've definitely wanted to work with Mikey on several occasions, but I feel that in order to do that. He deserves to be paid. And I think that's also a a huge issue when it comes to cosplay photography. 
I mean, there's going to be broke people like us out there. But the one thing that happens is you have sometimes cosplayers, and it's unfortunate that are expecting kind of free work. And what you guys do is is a service, and like any service, you might maybe do some pro bono shots here and there to you know help the other person out as well as help get your name out there. But ultimately, you you guys are providing a service that should be paid for. Yeah, I agree, and and there are some people that. Um, that I've worked, I've worked with a bunch of people for free and especially at a con when, you know, you, people are in such concentrated area and so much concentration of cosplays out there that, uh, you want to work on your craft as well. And until you get to almost a commercial level where, uh, you don't want to overexpend yourself. Uh, and I've seen some guys who, you know, are at that level and it makes sense, you know, their career is in photography. So, um, you know, they're not looking to do a lot of pro bono stuff because they're literally doing a nine to five job doing the same thing. So they're really uh, choosy about it. It makes sense for them. But a lot of us are out there uh, as passionists or hobbyists. And there's people that we want to shoot with because it's just you haven't had an opportunity to shoot with them. Or uh, there's people that, you know, um, you work with kind of on a regular basis just as free shoots just because you're friends with them and, and because you're working a little bit on your craft and, and that kind of thing. But I, I definitely agree and it's, it's definitely a point of, I don't want to say contention. There's a word for it. But it's a challenging and it's a very interesting aspect for the cosplay community with photography versus other communities and their photography is that uh, as cosplayers, you pour a lot of time and effort and money and resources into a costume and into going to a con to display it. And then you can be left with uh, very limited resources to pay a photographer to capture it. And, you know, talking to some people and, um, and understandably there is a, an argument to be made that that needs to go into all of your resource management of having money or having something left over for the photographer uh, that you plan to get and then shoot with and, and get those great shots that you can keep because it is also going back to you as the cosplayer to keep that, to show that off and to have those memories for people who, you know, kind of roll through costumes. Uh, they can go through many characters and so you want to have great shots. So that's part of the, the resource management there. But it's understandable that it's definitely a challenge uh, to have those resources and to reach out. And personally, I really like to, as much as I can, work with cosplayers and let them know, hey, you know, um, we can arrange something. It's not one of those things where, uh, you know, I, I demand a high amount and all this stuff. I, I If you're struggling with, uh, and I would encourage anyone, if you're struggling with having the resources uh, to get a, a photographer that you want to work with, I say reach out to them and, and just talk to them. And I think that there may be a bit of a surprise when it comes to what you might be able to work out with them. Uh, I, I don't want to throw ideas out there that I've had because it's it's up to the photographer. But I feel like there's a lot of times you can get more out of talking to them and being human with them, letting them know your struggles with whatever, you know, with with having the resources to utilize their work and uh and see what they do for you uh, even if it's just one shot if it's like a dream photographer that you've always wanted to work with and you're like god i wish i could just get one shot with them you may go to them and say hey look here's my deal i've you know never shot with you i've always wanted to and this is my one chance to can i just get one picture even if it's unedited 
And they may go, sure, you never know. Let them be the deciding factor if you don't have the resources to uh, utilize their their work and see what happens. Absolutely. I, I think that's a, a great point to put out there. And there's obviously a lot of different factors to go into it. I think, um, you know, Ready Comics Rule has been really lucky a lot of times. You know, we, we've we've been able to go through avenues where we can collab with the artists. And, it, it, you know, it's it's not a financial thing, but it's a beneficial thing for both people. But it also gains a relationship. So when, you know, we want to do something where, you know, Anthony works up towards doing some kind of crazy cosplay or I finally get like a Doom cosplay going on, that we can reach out to you. It's never going to happen. Right. <laughs> a good cosplay. <laughs> but like, you know, reaching out and make these collaborations, one, you know, if we get something going, it obviously is one of those things where you know us, you see what's going on, you might be able to do something better for us, not saying free wise, than than just like out of you know, completely free or, or anything like that. You like you said, you know our situation, you know what would be going on. So, you know, you might be more inclined to be like, listen guys, I can, I can, I can set up this type of package for you. And we go with that. The other thing too is, you know, you look at cosplayers and you, you look at, there's realistically a small number in, in true comparison of cosplayers that are in it to create a profile to actually do it almost as like a modeling style gig or to get some kind of recognition from it. There's still those cosplayers that are out there that do it just for like the love of it. Anthony is one of those people who's not trying to become a cosplay model, although his meme fighter is probably the closest thing that he's ever going to get to that because it hides his mug. Uh, <laughs> wow, the but, <laughs> Shots fired. No. <laughs> but, you know, the, that love, the love of what you're doing and then coming, even proposing with a photographer such as yourself to be like, listen, I'm not trying to be a model. I kind of want this just as like a memorabilia type of thing. Is there a way we can set up an agreement or some kind of package deal or something like that to, you know, not be as extensive as you kind of like pointed out in a sense? Yeah. And I definitely want to say, um, even, you know, hanging around you and working with a lot of the same people that you've worked with. Uh, even being as a cosplayer from experience, the one thing, the easiest way to make friends with somebody, or the one thing that's most sought after from cosplayers, is photos. They want to see whether it is because, as uh, John put, they're trying to become, you know, cosplay famous, or they really just something to remember the convention or their costume by. We don't that, even those take... things fall apart so quickly. Oh my god! That's why I figure sometimes, like yes. sometimes it's that 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 like I want a memory of this before it completely dissolves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but exactly to that point. So like with the whole me brawler, there's a whole bunch of people. They're like, oh, I I have no almost no pictures other than the ones you took, thankfully. Of that, that costume, and I had a lot of fun with it, even though it's not my final form. The, the, the one thing that we happened, we jumped up, I want to say, at least like 50 to 60 Instagram followers, simply just by posting up pictures of other people in their cosplay. Because it's really shocking how often people will take photos and they won't either won't tag the cosplayer, or they just take the photos and it's kind of just for their own, and these cosplayers are just looking for shots of themselves. Again, either for that memory or to add to their portfolio. Or vanity. Or vanity. <laughs> but uh, one, thing, one thing I like, like Mike, Mikey, you brought up, and I think it's really cool, just an example. So you're talking about, like, you like to show a comparison of the original shot and then the compo composite, the finalized uh, picture. They're the perfect example of that being, like, a friend of ours, uh, Cody, I just remember this one really awesome shot of Cody posing as the Green Lancer, and he's in that dynamic pose where he's like about to punch. 
And it's like, okay, well, the normal shot is, is a good normal shot. But then you took it, and then you actually put him in space, and he's about to just wreck a yellow lantern. And it just, yeah. the quality of it, man, it's, it's good stuff. It'll it's never happen. Stuff. Yellow lanterns win. Yeah. <laughs> they are literally the anti-green lantern, so I'm just sorry. That'll never happen. But it's, it's, it's like, that's, a, that's such a great shot. But Sinestro for life? No. <laughs> but to, to your point, exactly. It's, it's a matter of just, it's a matter of knowing your audience, working with them. That's definitely something that you and Delgado have always done. Like you on the photo, um, photography side of things. And of course, we have to shout out Delgado and uh, Geekvised because uh, we've worked with them several times in the past as well but also a great example he has on several occasions just taking video shots of people's uh cosplay and kind of put them together for his little showcases which is also both of you the kind of stuff you guys can come up with is just uh how you guys aren't more famous is is beyond <laughs> me well i i have i have actually a, a good question because i don't know like mikey we haven't really spoken outside of just kind of really doing this uh now um, how long have you been doing, uh, photography? So I've been doing photography for probably about three years. Okay. And I like to say that I've probably, uh, so Comic-Con Revolution was my, probably I would, it's kind of weird how you call these things because, you know, we all know that there's not, this isn't like a job. You don't have a start date. It's, it's more jelly <laughs> if you will so i would probably say that comic-con revolution last year uh i believe is kind of like my anniversary day into really making this a passion versus a hobby that's actually very interesting because comic-con revolution was the first time a lot of us we used to do conventions a lot in the past we used to go like to the mega cons the super cons and so on but Comic-Con Revolution was, was the first, first time... staging point to yes, kind of get it in, the, into it. Not only just as Ready Comics role, but just us personally going back into the kind of convention scene and getting into that. That's also where we met like a lot of our, our friends who, for the first time, got into it. Like Delgado, that was Delgado's first convention. That's oh, the wow. first time we met uh, Cody and just a lot of other people. So it's very interesting to hear how this is everybody's kind of first time or really getting into that kind of stuff. Well, I think it's really, I, I think it's one of those things like, uh, for us being, you know, local to have this con like right in our backyard. Yeah. And the fact that we're getting and growing into, uh, like, like you said, we're, you know, we're, we talk too much crap. Thus we, 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 you know, do a, a podcast. You have a passion for photography. I can only assume that you also have a passion for, for comics and stuff like that as well. That this is one of those things where it's a staging point. It really was a knockoff into going, hey, listen, I want to take something that I like and something that I want to do with me, myself, or my friends, or anything like that, and kind of really kick it into gear to see where you can go with it, whether it be for financial gain or just, you know, to, to kick it old school with your friends on it, you know? Yeah, and, and it really was something where, I'm thankful. I think we're all kind of thankful who are in this community that we are existing in this point in time because we have so much more the means than years past and so much more the open acceptability than years past. And even just the con scene in itself is much more mainstream and open and viable than in years past. And it really is a place uh, and a venue and a forum to bring these passions to literal life, whether it's it's by cosplaying something that is unique or recognizable or just your own deep connection with, or it's, for me, really wanting to capture 
those things that people cosplay as because I've done some cosplay and so I understand what it's like to really desire to have an amazing shot or uh, put something in a scene that it, you can't get a scene around here. Uh, Anthony, you mentioned what I shot with Cody before. Last year, I shot on the con floor, or on the vendor floor with him, uh, a picture of his Mr. Freeze. And it's one of his all-time favorite pictures because I took that and basically stripped everything away and made a scene where he was in a frozen cave with Gotham behind him and Batman was in the foreground, just his his cowl you can see in the foreground. And it's and he's, it's basically a, a showdown with Mr. Freeze and that's Cody's cosplay of being there and that kind of thing. We can't, re- I mean, you can get really, really creative, but in a sense, we're really not going to have that in South Florida. <laughs> There's no frozen caves with Gotham behind it. Well, I think what you're saying right there, too, is it is a really big thing for someone who not just is a, is passionate about cosplay, but someone who's passionate about, you know, the character that they are playing. You know, you, you do have some cosplayers who do cosplay because they like the art of cosplay. And then you have some who really like to cosplay because they want to get into that character. And what you just kind of described right there, to have a shot of you finally being this character that you've always wanted to be or that you really drew a connection with or any or that you've worked so hard to finally develop as a cosplay and then you taking your art and you know making, making that a reality making it a reality even if it is in a shot you know what i mean it's it's the equivalent of an actor going into a movie who's also passionate about like becoming that character you have it's like Ryan Reynolds being Deadpool <laughs> yeah like you have that shot of finally being in the comic you know what i mean which is a very powerful thing for some people who that's their escape you know what i mean who want right. that kind of thing in their head and that was kind of the the desire behind doing this where I got started. Uh, it's almost interesting because I got started not with the passion for photography, but with the passion for composites. I wanted to be able to get pictures of people and then put them into basically into that that um, that comic strip or that movie scene or something along those lines. That was the initial uh, passion. And then as I did that more and more, I started to realize I could also up my photography skills and make this, make this to where it doesn't take the composite for you to look on a picture and go, wow, that's really an amazing picture of Batman because he's all in the Batcave. No, it's an amazing picture of Batman, period. It doesn't even matter where he's at. It just looks really good. And so that's kind of where my craft has developed into of almost backwards where I see a lot of guys go into knowing photography or having a passion for photography and then starting to do composites. Mine kind of worked the other way around. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad way to go about it because then at least you have a unique experience in doing so. And again, just to reiterate too, just photography, a lot of people don't realize it's so important because you can come up with the greatest cosplay costume in the world. Like something that completely just blows people's minds without any kind of proof or kind of pictures to kind of show off to kind of gain that <laughs> following or to even get anywhere with it, you're unfortunately not going to go anywhere. So it's a very symbiotic relationship that uh, it's a very it's a very uh, give and take and kind of working together 
that I feel like uh, not a lot of people kind of uh, understand, which is definitely why we wanted to have you on here for starters. Yeah, and and I agree in that uh, I've seen a lot of cosplayers uh, be really passionate about their stuff, and it's great. It's e- I should say it's easy to feel amazing about your cosplay when you're at a con because you're surrounded by people who are also cosplaying, who also have that passion. What gets difficult, and from my experience in talking to people, what gets them discouraged about doing it more or um, advancing uh, even their most passionate uh, costume is that they go home and they're not surrounded by that community and that culture anymore. Now it's back into real uh, real life and the real world, and it's it's harder to get that escapism. And so you're looking for the next con, uh, and it's understandable, but they miss out on having something um, that captures the the enjoyment that they had, either while they're at the con or not, because obviously I've done stuff where people aren't at cons and we just do a photo shoot. But to be able to take that and, and have the pictures and either be able to share them, so now you're sharing that, that memory and that passion with people, even when you're not at a con, or to be able to look back on, on it themselves and just draw from and, and bring back those memories of either that costume and that character or the con itself, those type of things. Um, I think sometimes we forget about, we get so wrapped up in doing the cosplay and getting ready to go to the con and finding the hotel and planning with our friends. And then, and I say we, because, you know, I've done cosplay and I've, I've been there, I've done this, uh, where I haven't captured it in, um, in some good photography. I haven't reached out and I didn't utilize anyone. And so I have some that I've done where I look back and I go, Oh man, I don't have those things anymore because over time they've, you know, as um, you guys I'm sure can attest to, you can make a costume. It doesn't last forever because it either fades or the paint eats at the materials or other things. Or someone's big head starts to stretch the helmet. (laughs) 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 Is this just going to be your opportunity to like lay as many jabs as possible? Mike's not here. (laughs) So somebody else has to be the punching bag? Yep. (laughs) But, um, you know, those things happen to your costumes and then you, you can't wear them or you have to redo them. And then you get to a point where you don't want to redo them anymore. You've got, I've worn this a dozen times. I just don't have any good memories or pictures with it. And that's the point when, you know, I encourage people, Hey, that's when you really need to reach out to a photographer and, and have, I, I get enjoying a con, but carve out 30 minutes, an hour to take away from the con and go do some good photography. And then you're going to have that memory and you can always look back on it. And if that costume gets destroyed or if life situations change and you can't cosplay for whatever reason, you get to look back on this on this photograph and go, wow, this is still really awesome. And, and I really enjoyed, I even just personally enjoy looking back on it or being able to still share that with people. No, absolutely. And then also, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it is a very serious uh, point of discussion. Well, for starters, yes, with, with you providing these these pictures, these memories, you're definitely helping people fight with a very real thing that, which is, you know, post con depression. 
Because oh the gosh, one thing I hate the, post-con depression. Yeah, it's it's the worst, and yeah, I've, it, it's that's why I was kind of laughing to myself because I'm kind of in the that the little bit of a, a feeling right now, and I'm already looking towards MegaCon. I'm already super excited <laughs> for MegaCon. It's still like a good two months away, but exactly to the point. So you get there, you're having so much fun with your friends, you're having so much being a part of that experience, you're having so much fun if you're in cosplay, showing off your cosplay, and then hopefully people want to take pictures with you. And you're just having a blast, but the two things that are always guaranteed, if not one or the other or both, is you're going to suffer from either post-con depression or you're probably going to catch con funk. Which for anybody who doesn't know what con funk is, usually somebody shows up after working very hard or they, maybe they just get it sick naturally some other way. But they'll show up to the convention and they'll kind of spread it because it's so many clo- uh, close t- tightly. Yes, yeah. it's very easy to kind of spread that. So. You're, you're going to get it one way or the other, if not both. But exactly to the point, like, yeah, post-con depression is a very real thing. So what you're doing is definitely providing a service that really kind of can help people with that. Because I know, like, if I could go back to some pictures of my Me Brawler cosplay, that, that at least is like, oh, cool, this is something kind of look forward to. Because, you know, outside of these conventions, we all we all have our own problems. I don't think anybody lives, like, the, the golden life where they don't have anything to worry about. And this is this is exactly just that. It's it's a great form of escape for some, or just an, an opportunity to kind of just take a break from all of that other bullshit and just really enjoy yourself and kind of just come into your own. I absolutely agree with that, man. And and I think it, I have to. I have a, a real working example of um, that post con depression. I was at a an out of town con, um, one of my first ones, and I cosplayed as um, Naked Snake from Metal Gear Solid Three one of my favorite franchises and it's a relatively easy one i mean you're wearing camos and bdu and and some things here and there so it's not yeah, i was gonna say we probably should say to the people that are listening who are not <laughs> familiar with the series you were not actually full-on naked <laughs> i was not naked it's just his code name he's basically a infiltration spy and yeah he's wearing he's wearing camo bdus and his iconic bandana um and uh a cigar and and just like a a rifle and a pistol and it's pretty basic but when you look at it and if you know the character it's 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 pretty iconic i still say it would have been funnier to let everyone guess that it's kind of like a cosplay similar to like kill a kill you know <laughs> where a whole bunch of characters are just walking around basically naked i think that would have been better and then you guys had to ruin it but <laughs> well, that's, that's what we do yeah you know, that's what nerds do is they ruin that <laughs> that's fair so that was one of my first cons that I went to is I geared this whole thing up. I went out out of town. I went to it and it was amazing. I met so many new people and it was so great. And I, I was so new to the community that, um, I don't really have, uh, you know, connections to those people for various reasons, but I have a, just a few pictures of it. And it's, uh, actually I think, I, I think I want to say the pictures I have of it are actually from PalmCon, which was our other local one. Uh, that's been absent for the last couple of years. That actually became a cruise, but then ended up getting canceled, unfortunately. Yeah, I've I've actually spoken to the owner on that one, so that's why I don't say it's non-existent. It's just been absent because I it's on hiatus. <laughs> yeah, let, we'll we'll say it's a on on uh, an undetermined amount of hiatus. The pictures I have from it are are actually from PalmCon. And I get to look back and go, oh, wow, yeah, I have that. I have it in my closet somewhere, but I just haven't worn it. And it's one of those where I want to improve upon it if I wear it again. And I just look back and go, I just, I just have it. And I've seen 
people do uh, full-on photography with it or someone, you know, in, in my position took someone in that cosplay and went and they did a shoot somewhere or they did a composite and I look at that, those and I go, wow, that's amazing and there is a small part of me that wishes I would have gotten that as the memory instead of just a random on the vendor floor with somebody's cell phone shot of it. And that's kind of, that's what fuels part of this for me is, is I want people to be able to have a better memory of it. No, absolutely. And I mean, to, to Comic-Con Revolution, at least this year uh, when we all went, uh, I definitely think it was an upgrade from year one. Oh, absolutely. Which is good. It's a, it's a trending forward. Well, well, here. So, um, I usually hate to bring up drama, but this is a very important point to bring up. So overall, yes, I will agree. The convention was better organized. Uh, it, it felt like they had some familiar faces as far as guests, but also some great new ones. I'm a little sad I never got a chance to speak with Donnie Cates, the current writer of Venom. Uh, but it, they definitely seem like they, they know what they're doing in regards to the dealer's room, the guests, and everything else. But there was a slight issue uh, with the cosplay contest and some of the cosplay guests. Or actually, let me take that back. The cosplay guests, all of them are amazing individuals. It is the the person who kind of facilitated it, and I really hate to put anybody on blast, but this has been brought up across several different forums and whatnot because... There's just some rules, and this is has to do with the, the kind of background of how to run things with conventions. But generally, when you have a cosplay contest, there's a few unwritten rules to bear in mind. For starters, uh, one of the rules is you cannot really use the same costume twice when you go to a cosplay contest. That's usually a huge no-no. Usually, we'll get banned from that. One of the other things, too, is if you have cosplay guests, those people are already considered to be either known or to be professional. So it is unfair and kind of really takes the fun out for a lot of people when cosplay guests are also the people that are in the cosplay contests. And that is unfortunately what happened this year. Is there, And one of them was actually an award winner. They have, Don't get me wrong. Amazing cosplay and it is definitely award winning. I, I but... agree with you. That, that's, that's kind of cheating the system when it's like I do this almost professionally. Compared to an amateur who's coming in. And that's what a lot of people that go into these cosplay contests go for is because they built something that they're really proud of. They're not necessarily very well known. They want to show it off and potentially know, get that recognition. Uh, but even more so, and this is kind of like the three strikes kind of problem here, is then one of the members of said cosplay group that had the, the, the guests, one of them was also a judge. Oof. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was, uh, or at least I would like to give benefit of the doubt that there was no actual bias. However, from anybody who is not familiar with that group or is, is, you know, looking at it, it definitely does not look good, not only for the contest itself, but for the convention itself. And the yeah. thing is, is with cosplay contests, uh, panels, the dealer's room, these are all the different aspects that kind of can make or break a convention. So you, got, you, you definitely have to be very careful of that. No, absolutely. And, and, uh, I, I agree with your points. And one of the things that was big for me was it, it's, I, I guess with, uh, agreeing with those points, there's also an asterisk that you can put on some of them. And it really just comes down to what specific con you're at. And I say that because you look, for example, the biggest of the big cons, let's say Dragon Con, New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. You look at those places that have costume contests that are classified as, you know, novice and, uh, I forget what the other ones are, up to master class. 
and you look at that and those are one of those things where I go, you can be a guest at one of those and also enter the masterclass. Because yeah, that's fair. the masterclass no, that, is right. And that's just the small caveat. So it's like, I, I kind of look at that and I go, there, there might be some, some gradient f- between that and going to something small like Comic-Con Revolution and uh, going, this is definitely not a con where if you're invited as a guest, you also have the opportunity to enter the contest. Well, I think at that point in time that maybe uh, on that par, they, they should have done a better job not just one placing where the cosplay contest was going to be kind of actually displayed and ran, but two, having that, that caveat of having the different, uh, you know, levels, if you will, of cosplay in a sense, you know what I mean? Or having, cause if it's just everything being judged at once in, in allowing, how many, how many entries was it? It was like... Uh, close to 80. Now, not everybody 80. showed up. Some people end up leaving beforehand. Right. But that's how many entrants there were. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and disparage uh, the cosplay contest because uh, the cosplay contest itself was, uh, it was hosted by Treasure Coast Cosplayers, which is also, again, a, a non-profit, very wonderful group of people. So I'm not, like I said, necessarily knocking anybody for it. I think what it is is some people were just unaware of the situation, which is what led this to happen. And exactly to your point, Mikey, this is still a, a new convention. So it's still a learning experience. So right. I can't sit here and be like, well, they should have known better, blah, blah, blah. But right. I just did want to highlight this is definitely something to kind of look out for because we can talk about the great, but I feel it's also important to critique and bring forth, you know, some of the negative things that happened so we can avoid that from happening again in, in future years. Well, that's what I even kind of was saying. I, I look at Comic-Con Revolution for this year, and as you were saying, um, you know, the dealer's room set up kind of how they, the fluidity of a lot of different things, tickets and, and whatnot, <laughs> it, it was a lot better from year one. I think that how they set things up, how they operated with a lot of it, uh, entrances, exits, and not a lot of people are always thinking about that, but I know one of the memories that I always have when I go to like Megacon or something like that. You can't escape the dealer's room. Holy crap, the <laughs> lines to get in it. And it's just, it feels like you're at a theme park and the ride you're getting on is the line ride. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> spend a half a day to kind of do that, to do whatever. Now, obviously, this con has the technically yes it's a benefit of being a smaller con to where they can kind of usher people accordingly a little bit easier at points but the the fact that they were kind of set up and uh, could facilitate the number of people that they could you know easier than prior year or anything like that was a benefit and it's it's a lot easier to get to where you needed to because the cosplay guests were all in the back area uh, they sectioned the, out the, things wiser. Exactly. And that's, that's yeah, a very important that. aspect. They made a cosplay alley. Exactly. They, like they, like you they had the artist it. alley, the cosplay alley, you had the actual dealers, you had the actual guests. It was very well laid out. Again, I, I, th- I see great things and hope for great things for this convention, mm-hmm. especially because I'm sure we're all sick and tired of Miami being the ones getting all the fun. Miami and Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I will, I will jump on the point of, for Comic Con Revolution, another benefit that I really enjoy. And of course, once again, it being in our backyard, I am mere minutes from the con, the, the convention center, I should say. Right. Uh, I, I drive by it semi-regularly. And for me, one of the things that I really enjoy and one of the things that I always prop up is that it is in a good-looking area. And as a photographer, 
that's well appreciated. Yeah, it makes it easier, right? <laughs> Very short walk, and I could get many different looks with many different backgrounds, and that is really good for my craft and for my own sanity to not work with the exact same backdrop or the exact same, you know, 15 by 15 area that looks pretty and it's the only one at the con that looks pretty. Not only surrounding, because obviously location's a big thing and and there's a, a nice downtown spot literally across the street from it and there's a beach a few minutes away, but also inside. And I think day two, they kind of started sectioning it off. So I don't know if maybe somebody ruined it for the other people, but there was like an upstairs area um, like a balcony area that had, you know, just some really nice looking aesthetic to it for photography and also some chairs and things to hang out. So I think that that's something that's worth noting to encourage them in the future and to encourage other people in the future to come out to do it, but also to treat the things right so we can still continue to have nice things. Yeah. And Absolutely. It, exactly to the point of how we were talking about, you know, being able to section off areas or leaving them open or even how we were talking about how the dealer's room is set up with uh, the, the division of Cosplay Alley, Artist Alley. Now, unfortunately, one of the other guests we were going to have on was unable to make it because she's actually out and about at another convention right now. Because as we're speaking, Hero Hype Con is taking place in Miami. But she's done a lot of stage work, our friend Emily. There's also a lot involved in kind of just getting that all assembled. Like you can't, I can't oh, yeah. even imagine the amount of work it would take to kind of put these kind of conventions together. And tear them down, no less. Because yeah. come Sunday, sure. it's like, all right, it closes at 6. They're already starting to tear things apart. They they have to be out of there before end of day. And there's just so much that's assembled and put together. I mean, <clears throat> I, I do look at certain things, though. I mean, like, um, you know, Comic-Con Revolution has the benefit. Like, the dealer's room is probably the biggest thing that you kind of have to deal with. Yes. For, for teardown. Because you have all that, like, framework. You have everything that kind of goes into that. When it comes down to a lot of the actual panelist rooms and whatnot like that, that that's a lot of times that's just chair pool, you yeah. know. That a lot of it. I'm being realistic now. That still takes time. That's someone going in there, or a group of team people, kind of getting all that hustled out. But yeah, the dealer's room is the biggest thing to kind of break down, put up. Well, to be fair too, at least when it comes to the panel rooms, there's also the audio video setup, especially yeah. if there's projectors and stuff like that. Yeah, but we have like really bad IT people. Yeah, that <laughs> take care of that. Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but no, exactly to that point. Like one, well, our one of our first times we actually ran a panel, which uh, go it'll go ahead and pat ourselves on the back, was full house, full capacity. We had wallflowers and people sitting on the floor. That's how packed we were. Yeah. But we ran into audio issues then. And thankfully, there is staff on hand that were able to assist us and get us back up and running properly within a, a few minutes. Which, see, inverse on this one. Uh, at Comic-Con Revolution, we had no audio issues. Actually, I think the audio and visual setup for everything was really nice at this convention. It felt the, very, it felt very professional, like almost like what you would see at like a Comic Con or something else like that. It was yeah. almost too nice for us. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 we could have we could have put things on a projector. Like they had all the hookups. Like, unfortunately, the things that I found that were uh, kind of disappointing for this con were the fact that if you weren't on the main strip of like entrance for. Uh, rooms like it, it, for those who are not familiar with the setup of Comic Con Revolution, there was a main entrance area, and when you walk down that hallway, you have a whole bunch of panel rooms. You make your turn, you go down to ticketing and stuff like that before you can go into uh, the dealer's booth, which is right there. Beyond the ticket booth, though, there were more panel rooms, 
that and nobody knew about. <laughs> there were not a, there was no real indication that more panels were going on that, down there or no like extravagant uh you know kind of push there, there out was there no that signage says for advertising to let people know hey more panel rooms down this way or even just a sign like a map. Right. A good idea is this periodically uh, at different distances throughout the convention, have a map that's like, you are here, these are where these things are at. Right, the <clears throat> the most that they had for the panel rooms is basically a whitewash board that said this was here at this time, which is, don't get me wrong, helpful because you walk by the room and you but know But you would have to on. turn the corner to see those. Right, no one really walked down this back corner, and unfortunately, maybe maybe I'm a little biased by this, but our panel was down near the end. So it was a little bit discouraging to kind of have to deal with the fact that the advertisement for that, or even like you could literally walk near the ticket booth and there was no one going down for any of the other panels that were down that hallway. So it was just like, eh. I had a friend who did a, a panel down probably maybe in the same room that you guys were in. And so I went with them to do it. It was a cosplayer. I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go check it out. And we walked to it and I was like, oh, I didn't realize there were more panel rooms down here. And this was like open to, it was open to the outside. There was a staircase that I shot on and then came in through those doors and walked right by those panel rooms, not really realizing, oh, there's actually panels going on in here. And these aren't just generic rooms left empty. Right. Exactly. And that's, that is, so again, just another learning experience, something to kind of improve on for next year. Because the funny thing is the panel that was before us, was uh Donnie Cates and I forgot uh who the artist was. I think it was the artist for Deadpool. Uh they actually had a panel before us and they had less people in their panel than we did, which was kind of a surprise because I mean yeah. these are these are major like this is Marvel and DC. Yeah, those are well known artists. They have some actual name power to So for to see us <laughs> some have... legit clout. Exactly. Yeah. So for to see them have less people in their panel than us it came to me as like a surprise, but right. exactly for that reason that we all mentioned, I think it's because that whole strip of rooms was an unknown. Right. If if I definitely think that if we were on the the front side that walk down, people tend to those rooms seem to almost have been packed majority of the time. It just wasn't well thought of to kind of also have those panel rooms in the back and kind of do that. The other thing that was a little bit disappointing was the fact that. It wasn't really put together for like a, a go-to person. At our uh, at our con- uh, when we went to a convention at Anime Hawaii for our first panel uh, that we ever had, there was at least people out there near the panel rooms that was just like, okay, you're coming up. Hey, you guys are the guys. Like, all right, they verified it was us. They're like, all right, this is how much time you guys have to set up. Bear in mind, keep a lookout for time because around this time is when you guys need to start wrapping up. You guys need to pack up your stuff. They had go-to guys. They had yeah. callers. So. And that's how we were able to, like, even when we were having the audio issues, we were able to just pop our head outside and be like, hey, you know, can we get some assistance? This isn't working out very well. And they were very attentive. Uh, we really didn't have that. I think we had somebody pop their head in maybe already 10 minutes into our right. thing. And they're like, you have everything good? Like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> but again, room setup and everything like that was really nice. Like oh, yeah. how everything was, was, was really nice. Yeah, I thought I thought the rooms looked good. They like you said, they reminded me of, you know, bigger cons, uh more experienced cons just with what they offered and setting it up to where you could plug and play. If you had your laptop, you could plug it in and go, "Hey, here's a thing and here's what I've worked on and stuff like that." Absolutely. Yeah, that that was that whole thing of like 
expert level look a little bit failure on actual execution. And that's part of the reason why I'm just so excited. And that's again why we're bringing up, you know, the the, the pros and the cons to the convention because I I still feel like Comic-Con Revolution has a lot of potential. It's already very successful in where it started, which is in Ontario, Canada. Cuz that's for anybody who doesn't know, that's that's where it, it kind of got started and they were nice enough to bring it down here to West Palm Beach of all locations. Well, that's why I also kind of preface in in the beginning of it to say like with with its faults, I still think this was a good con for, yes. for our local con. For the fact that we know this is something that is growing, you know what I mean. You can see the people from year one to year two. People flock back to it. We, we really want in this area a local con, and where the the locals themselves are obviously throwing their support to get behind it, and then generating even some things. The fact that they're they're progressing forward, better layouts, you know what I mean? Better better situations, better vendors, better things that you need to have for a con in those back areas. Um, you definitely feel like they were going in the right direction, even if they faltered in others. Absolutely, because I mean, I don't. Uh, let's be realistic here. No convention that starts out is ever going to get it perfect within even the first few years. You no, know, no convention. Currently, well, at least I can't say that I've been to. I, I've only been to a handful of actual con, but no con is perfect. No, you're always going to find some kind of fault in it. Like I said, I love MegaCon. I go almost every single year, and I still find faults in the fact that it's just like Although, th- there's a thing called being like too crowded and in. Too many, MegaCon you know. last year when we went, it was surprising. Even though it was still very crowded because it's one of the bigger. It's the biggest say, Florida con, really. Yeah, I would I would definitely say so. But we even noted that, man, it was at least, despite the traffic, it still was at least, a, the layout was a lot better than it was in previous years. So yes. It was a lot easier to get around. It definitely yeah. felt like a much better experience than we've had in God knows how long. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what I, what I got to do is, since we've spoken so much about cons and experiences and stuff like that, I'm, I'm going to pose a fun little question. If you were in charge of a convention, uh, what are, well, for starters, what kind of convention would it be? Because I think that would be a fun thing to kind of put out there. But also, what kind of guests would you be looking for? What kind of uh, panels? How would you kind of situate it and kind of bring people to it? Well, you can go ahead and start with you, Mikey. Yeah, so. Yeah, I need uh, ideas. <laughs> <laughs> So this is uh, this is almost cheating because I think that Holiday Matsuri is an amazing con, and I don't know if you guys have been or not, but it is uh, it, it's in a convention center that's uh, that's paired up with a hotel, so it's really good in that you have those two things nearby. If you can if you can get a room there or share a room or something, you don't have to you park and then you don't have to go anywhere for the whole weekend. You just, everything is there. But the biggest thing that I love about Holiday Matsuri is, it's really two things I should say, is that it's not a con that you walk in and it's just kind of, here's some panel rooms and here's a vendor floor. And that's about all you get. It's a con that has like places to hang out uh, around every corner. And that is an incredible thing. And I think it's one of the things that I personally love so much about having at a con and I think is missing from a lot of cons is that you don't have an area where you can really hang out with friends, whether that you travel with them, with them or not. Me personally, I have a lot of friends that I see only at a con. And so I'd really enjoy a place to sit down and hang out and just 
kind of have an ability to chillax with them and socialize and, and do all those things in a very relaxed, laid-back environment. And I feel like the venue for Holiday Matsuri really does a great job of that. So that in mind, I would definitely want a con that is uh, about hanging out and um, socializing with friends. And that is, to me, that would be like the focus. And I don't know if that works for everybody, but to me, I feel like those are, I have memories from, uh, from Hallmat that are just yelling down hallways at people and at, at a friend and going, Oh my gosh. And then running up and, and hugging them or talking with them or going and sitting and being like, we've been on our feet walking around a bunch. Now we've got these comfy places to sit and we can talk and we can have these real life discussions and talk about real things. And truly start to get to know and really make a deeper friendship and a deeper connection. Uh, and that was a huge thing for me. They also, going into now the more professional photography side, they also have an amazing location because there's this big sort of uh, half-circle pool out back with an upper deck that they usually put a big Christmas tree on, of course. Um, and it has like rocks and everything around it, like decorative rocks around the pool and around the back part of the pool. And so you have this really cool location, um, with, you know, palm trees wrapped in it's, it's a holiday Matt Surrey. So of course you've got a lot of lights and everything too, but, uh, with, you know, decorated palm trees and like this area that's got like fake, uh, that's got AstroTurf that you can shoot on. And there's all kinds of just like lounge chairs out there and stuff. So it, it really is a place where you could go and just hang out with friends. It's usually pretty cold when it occurs, even though it's in Orlando. It's usually a cold time of the year. So, but some people could do, you could do bathing suit versions of cosplays if you wanted to and hang out with friends or do photography, uh, for that as well. But it just has all these places to go and hang around and also this really beautiful grounds that they're on, uh, to shoot photography or to, do cosplay or to have video to really get that stuff that those tangible things of those memories that you can make, they have a good place for that. So something like that is really my ideal for a con. And then when you go to who would you have guests or what kind of uh, panels and stuff would you have? I am so, <laughs> this is terrible. I'm so not focused on those when it comes to a con that I'm not really sure. Uh, guests are really cool for me if they're ones that I know, but I also, I don't know if there's a lot of people out there like this or not, but I'm kind of intimidated by it. Like I, I am, I grew up with wrestling in the, back in sort of the attitude era, the WWF and the WCW yeah, Monday Night Wars, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, and I grew up in that era. And so I saw Jake the Snake was at Comic-Con Revolution and um, he was, he was one of the earlier wrestlers that I was familiar with. And I was like, Oh, this is so cool. He's right there. And I know a little bit about his personal life and, and things that he's gone through. And I'm like, that'd be kind of cool to, to sort of meet him. But I, I'm so terrible at those things that you go and purposely meet someone that I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I know that they're there to, you know, make a little bit of coin with, you know, selling some of their stuff or, uh, you know, selling, I don't know, like handshakes, not handshakes, but you know, that kind of thing that I don't want to be like, <laughs> I just want to go and I'm totally cool with naturally meeting somebody just happenstance, but I'm this weird, I don't have the resources and I don't know that unless it's really, really a star that you really 
admire and have dreamed about meeting. I'm personally very difficult in giving money to meet somebody. Like that's just a a thing. And I don't know that he was like that. So that's not to say, I think the lesson to be learned from that, which is a lesson I have to learn myself is go up and say hi. It does, you know, there's so many times where especially I think the, the two times I walked, two or three times I walked by him, he really wasn't like slammed at his booth. So it's like, I totally could have gone up and just like started a conversation and said hi and just said, Hey, I admire. I remember yada, yada, yada. And I didn't do that. I was just too intimidated by it. So I'm very bad about guests and stuff. No, I can completely understand with that. Cause funny enough, I actually did get a chance to, I worked my way through social. I had to almost push him. Yeah. Well, yes, that's true. But <laughs> I was like, I was, why don't you I do was it? so socially why don't, why awkward. Why don't you do it? Anthony, why don't you do it? And I did. I say hi. Because that was the one thing I felt was kind of almost criminals because he is this this legend. And right. there wasn't a whole lot of people that were really going by his booth. And I'm just like, man, this sucks. Like, how are people not like – it had to be that there just wasn't a lot of wrestling fans or a lot of people that were yeah. familiar with his work. That's the only thing to me that makes sense. So I did take the opportunity to kind of like ask him the same question that a million other people have asked him in the past. Because <laughs> exactly that reason. It's like I, I am I am okay when it comes to public speaking or even like doing this podcast and do a lot of things. But I completely, you know, sympathize with you when it comes to meeting somebody that, that you are familiar with or maybe even idolize. It becomes very difficult to try and talk to them the same way you would to a friend or just any other random person. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say that the... Uh, and, and so there's, there's a, a caveat or there's an asterisk on that story with about a Jake the Snake is that, oh, what con was it? Um, I want to say it was Supercon would make sense. Supercon last year. DDP was there. Diamond Dallas Page. I know. I wanted to go because I do DDP oh yoga goodness. and he also helped save Jake the Snake's life. Right? So DDP is probably. Aside from The Rock, and that's not fair because obviously The Rock is The, the Rock huge. is The Rock. Like, <laughs> he is The Rock. He is but, the greatest. Uh, and I, I, anytime that people, you know, are like, oh, I'm a fan of The Rock too. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I remember The Rock's first match at Royal Rumble when he was Rocky Maivia and his finisher was a shoulder breaker. Like, I have vivid memories of him running to the ring and me going, teenage self me saying to myself, this guy is huge. He's going to be something amazing. He has so much more charisma than what's being on, on display here or than what they're allowing him to be. And then obviously he develops into The Rock, the most electrifying man in entertainment. Which is why I'm so glad that he was able to kind of push himself forward when he's with the Nation of Domination. Which Nation yeah. of Domination was a good group, but for him to kind yeah. of just take that over... And even that was one of his first heels. Well, he was already heel, but being the heel that turns on the other heels, exactly. You kind of just knew he was money. You knew he was yeah. the future of wrestling. He had he had that intangible. He had that it factor. Yeah. To your point with DDP too. Another big thing with him is he is one of the people that it was the one of the oldest uh, wrestlers to start in getting into wrestling. And he basically broke so many different records, did so many things that people did not realize that you'd be capable of doing in, in, in your older age. And still just so charismatic. And he is probably one of, if not in the industry, when you talk about that era, uh, a lot of people will say that he is probably one of the hardest workers that there was. Uh, he would put over guys who, uh, I mean, he just did so much in the ring and around it and things like that. And 
And you know that that's a true stuff because, like you said, his DDP yoga, his lifestyle stuff, he goes and he basically reaches out to his peers, which is former wrestlers, and wrestling can have an extreme toll on the body and being on the road and all those things can lead to really negative things that you choose in your personal life. And he reaches out to those guys who've had health problems with addiction problems with lifestyle problems. And he's, and he brings them in and he, he's kind of like their own rehab on someone who, um, really can do the right things for those guys because he knows what they've been through. And so he doesn't take, their their excuses it doesn't take their shit when he knows that they're just giving excuses and he can understand when they're in real issues whereas someone on the outside may not now did you get a chance to see him at supercon i did that's that that was sorry that's where my story was going was i did meet him at supercon i went with a friend and we walked by and i was like i just want to walk over these booths and see because they had like a whole little area for a few different wrestlers and uh, so I walked by, I was going to walk by and I was like, ah, so I told my friend, I was like, I, I don't know if DDP's over there. I know he's supposed to be here today, but he wasn't at his booth earlier. I don't know. And he was like, no, let's go, let's go, let's go. And kind of like you, John, you pushed Anthony. My friend pushed me to go and check it out. And he was there and I was like, oh man, I really want to like get a picture with him because that's a wrestler I admire to that level that I would, I would do that. And I'm like, oh, and then that's when that that thing of mine kicked in of like, I don't want to like pay for a picture, but at the same time, I may not get this opportunity. There's certain people you're going to do it for. I oh, think that absolutely. moment right. was definitely for, <laughs> for John and I, when we uh, met Chris um, yeah. over at, uh, he's the voice of Vegeta and a lot of other amazing characters. And, and John's such a huge Vegeta fan. It's like, we kind of have to do well, this. Well, I'm, I, because of the fact that he's done Vegeta, he's done, uh, Kumar, Yamcha. He's done cool. Yamcha. He's done, he's done all my, all now. my yep. yeah, he's done all these characters that I had to like go up. And the thing is though, he, it, that, uh, guarantee like, okay, I paid for the autograph and stuff like that, but the guy is genuinely probably the most genuine talent that you'll you'll meet out there we got a conversation with him we told him about a video that we made involving one of his characters you know how some people will tell you oh yeah yeah i remember your work i remember your stuff no 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 no. he not only said that but even pointed out parts of the video that we made right it was it was obvious that he had watched it that kind of just blew our minds and was like a huge fanboy moment well what was even more for me was the fact that he you could obviously tell he remembered fans from other cons that he has went to and uh, met them because I overheard a conversation where he met or saw some people that he had met prior and was just like, wow, I haven't seen you since this con. Like, it's good. How's it going? Like, there's something about Chris that's like so genuine and he's so thankful for his fans and stuff like that is one of those experiences Then when you're at a con that as a con goer, as a fan of whatever that you really want to like embrace. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's incredible. Um, to, to your point though, since, uh, I, I can't really come up with, uh, what I would do. I, you mentioned Holiday Mitsuri and that, I agree with you. I actually did go. That was my first time. I went with my wife and kid, uh, last year. And it's, it's, there's two conventions to try to go to every year now. It's Megacon and Holiday Mansuri. Megacon, more for meeting friends, you know, having a good time, networking, all that other good stuff. Holiday Mansuri is definitely more of the, the vacation, enjoying everything around you and just having fun with it. But like you said, they have pretty much everything. They have Saturday night entertainment for the older crowds. 
they have a legit game room where they have it was filled with cabinets, consoles. Oh my gosh! There was something the for room. everybody there. And like yeah. you said, for photographers, there's a lot of different areas of opportunity to get some really great shots and so on. So I'm with you. Um, I would have to say that that kind of set the bar when it comes to conventions. So theme wise, though, you could still assign a theme. Um, I would still say the 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 kind of what we're in comics roll is. We, if anything, it'd be ready yeah. comics roll con. Yeah, and it would be everything. <laughs> it would be comics, video games, tabletop, the whole nine yards, and panels would be things situated around that. Maybe some rooms for D and D for people that don't really have the time to do so. Uh, game rooms that are already there, and uh, video, uh, and just really all that. I mean, like I said, it's it's. Cop- I'm so, going to go with with Mikey to say copy paste. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. but just put a different name on it. <laughs> see, see. So uh, obviously, I think all of us are on the same page because obviously we've all been to some cons and you really enjoy certain aspects of it. I guess the only thing that I could vary from what you guys said is like my theme itself. Uh, aside from being a beer, beer, general, beer con, yeah. No, like, first off, I go to those anyway, so it's all good. Uh, but no, no. Um, I know some people are out there who are listening, who are dedicated fans are like, yeah, this is where he says Final Fantasy Seven. Oh con. god! No, 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 oh, no. no. God. I, I, that, that, that to me is a guilty pleasure that I will have my own con in my house for myself when. Uh, <laughs> You know, it they, comes they out. They finally in make it out in 2050. Yep. Yeah. But no, oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, I you would... think it's actually getting released. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be there. Don't, don't, don't do this to me. No. Um, Keep dreaming. I would, I would get into a, a Star Wars con. I think a Star Wars, you know, which I think there, there has to be one out there. Right? <coughs> Celebration. Yeah. Celebration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. It is, I, I would kind of go to that. Now, I'm the type of person though, I like my leisurely time outside of the cons too. Like, I use the con as an event thing. I also, I like to actually spend those times as vacation. So, going back to what you were saying, Mikey, about having a hotel connected or completely adjacent to uh, you know, resort-wise to a convention is big for me, only because of the fact that you get that time to relax, chill, go to the pool, do things, whatever, get a drink and, and chill outside of also being at the con. And then you can still kind of see it from afar, everything kind of going on. So th- those are one of those big things for me. But yeah, a, a Star Wars convention, if I were to to replicate, you know, that situation. You know, I... I didn't mention a theme. Uh, I kind of forgot about it getting wrapped up in the hall mat feel. But uh, in theme, you know, I know you said Final Fantasy VII, but I kind of feel like, I mean, there's some there's some serious games that I would love to give some love to, some franchises like the Metal Gear Solid franchise, Mega Man X franchise, Ooh, yeah. I guess Mega Man as a whole. So you do like a retro gamer con. Uh, a, a bit, because I mean, I, I do really appreciate what we have nowadays, but obviously... I, and I think I think it's skewed for uh, gamers and sort of uh, when we grew up because when we grew up we didn't have PC games like they do now. You didn't have Steam with uh, Steam sales that turned a, a fifty dollar game a couple years ago into uh, one ninety nine. I mean that's just ridiculous. Now I can play a game that was a triple A title a couple years ago for dollars or or just pocket change now and get that full experience back then you had to really weigh your options get a game and then you didn't have that kind of money as just a teenager or young kid to continue to buy games so you would play a game and you would play it into the ground and you would try and master that thing and suck every ounce of enjoyment out of that game that you could so i think that it's a completely different era 
but I am a bit, I, it's skewed in that sense, but I think that because of that, I am a bit, um, a bit more retro. Uh, a Pokemon theme would be, because that franchise is amazing. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a Pokemon themed convention. That would be pretty that would be cool. We haven't. And you have tons. I mean, at this point, they're like up in the eight hundreds. I think of Pokemon count. I, I think the Gen closest 8, Sword I, Shield. <laughs> yeah, Sword Shield is going to add to that. Yeah, I think the closest thing that they have to a convention nowadays is actually thanks to Pokemon Go when they actually have these Safari Zone days. Oh no, they they also they do have GoCon. So they yeah. do have well, that, conventions, oh, they do. very tiny conventions, but are specific to yeah uh, Go. And but that's why like go, the, it usually comes around the time that there's community days. And I think Go they, Go is the 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 biggest i think and i could be wrong we can actually try to talk to ash again to see if we're confirmed on that or not but uh yeah like i think go was the biggest thing that came around to actually start bringing it into like almost convention scene at some point so and i th- i think that that's i think theming it is can be extremely difficult because as much as i go man a pokemon theme would be amazing and there are tons of people out there who would agree there's also equal if not more parts that would go Eh, I'm not really big on Pokemon. I'd skip it. Right. So I, you know, because I look at those and go, that would be an amazing one. You said Final Fantasy VII specifically. I would say something like Final Con, in that it's themed around all of the Final Fantasies. Well, that, yeah, that's why I'm saying. Like, I, I know, I know, some people would know, be like, ah, but this guy's just gonna. <laughs> you inspired say it, me but. with your Final Fantasy VII, but I mean, just having some of the early ones. I met a Terra from Final Fantasy VI at Hallmat, and my jaw hit the floor because uh, Final Fantasy VI is my favorite Final Fantasy. Nice. I'm not I'm not going to dispute that. Six and seven <laughs> are like the two best out there. If it's not six, it's seven. If it's not seven, it's six. That's all I'm going to say. That's a, that's a very, very strong point. I have a friend who would argue and throw four into the mix of that one as, as well. As long as they don't say eight. Uh, no, no one really says eight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have a buddy who would say eight and we don't talk to him anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> For good reason. Yeah. But I think that those are, you know, the, but that Terra was an amazing cosplay and not enough people do it from that one. And so it would be really fun to see like a Final Fantasy 1 through 10, you know, cosplay role, if you will, um, to have everybody just there as that. But I, I, I don't know of a theme. I think, I think Star Wars theme is great because it has hit mainstream a lot more. Well, there, there's also just so much stuff out there between tabletop games, video games, you know what I mean? Like there, there's That's just so much too. merchandise in a sense that you can expand out the wazoo with that. I think anything owned by Disney at this point could be turned into a con. This Absolutely. is true. <laughs> I think actually what I was going to say too is I would uh, make the hotel the Star Wars theme and then have rides. Oh, wait, I have to go to Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go to Orlando. It's all right there. Exactly. Orlando. Or at least it's being built, so... <laughs> But I, I think that's a great way to kind of roll out this episode for this uh, evening. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. We want to go. <laughs> we're, we're super punny like that. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, but of course, Mikey, we want to thank you so much for being on here and kind of sharing your your insight and experiences and, and just thoughts on conventions in general. Thank you, and thank you, and I thank you guys for having me, and I thank you guys for what you do, uh, and to bring this sort of. Uh, medium and and encourage the community and culture in the way that you guys do as well kind of from a grassroots building you guys aren't like um you know well-known actors and voice actors and things like that who are trying to get this thing going you are real grassroots and that is 
that's the th- one of the things that I love the most about cosplay is that you don't have to be big and famous to do this. It is something for everyone to enjoy. Aww. We appreciate that. I know. That, that, was, that was very nice. Um, go ahead and let the, uh, people know where they can go ahead and find you. This, do the Social media shout-outs. This is the time to self-promote. And yeah. We want to make sure everyone who's listening knows where to find you in your art. Um, so mine is relatively easy. If you've got Instagram or Facebook, like I feel like we all have Facebook, even if you do it just for the messaging service, like myself, it's it's my key to life, and it's M Y K E Y, the number two, and then life is L Y F E. So no eyes, all Y's, my key to life. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, and absolutely reach out, send me a message, say something to me. You know, I encourage you to to check out my stuff on Instagram. That's uh, almost all of my art there. If you scroll far back enough, spoiler, you'll find a little bit of my cosplay and a little bit of my prop working. But it is and as embarrassing as all that is. I figure I should keep it on there. But that's where I'm at. You can reach out to me. If you have any questions? If you're in the area and you want to try and collaborate or do something. I encourage you to reach out. I'm, I'm absolutely one of those people that I respond to just about everything in a pretty timely manner, unless I'm doing some other nerd stuff like playing D and D, which is what I'm going to go do now. <laughs> nice. So if you're a cosplayer, book them. Yes, absolutely. And and you know what? And I that that's it brings up a good point. If you do uh, any other thing, if you do photography, if you do videos, if you do podcasts, you know. Anything like that, if you're if you're behind the scenes like myself and like Ready Comics Roll are here, uh, I'm up for collaborating or even just talking ideas with you guys as well. I'm a content creator uh, myself, even though most of it's photography, but I've been behind the ideas of some other things out there, some other YouTube channels with Let's Plays and things like that for gaming. So I really enjoy the creative mindset and the creative process, and so I'm all about that stuff. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're listening to us on one of our many different podcast providers, whether it be Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify, also be sure to check out our YouTube channels. We have a lot of great content on there as well. As proud members of the But Why Though podcast community, you can check out our latest episodes on their site, as well as a lot of other great podcasts. All right, guys, make sure to follow Ready Comics Roll on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the links are down below. Make sure to check out Ready Comics Roll on Discord, where you can chat with John, Anthony, and all the other rollers. Insert funny phrase. Follow us on Twitch for random live streams throughout the week. And if you want to help fund Ready Comics Roll Con, head on over to Patreon and become a supporter today.